Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Hank Bogler, it's not a Monday, but we couldn't go a week without Hank checking in. I'm not sure of my schedule. I do have my flight in and out of Salt Lake City, Hank, but... uh Stay tuned for what it is going to be to get away. I mean, it's five days away. You can't, four right. days away. You can't expect me to plan ahead. Well, but at least I want a picture of you standing out in front of that vegan outfit next to the Peter girls, standing there holding up a sign, this body by American protein red meat. Naked as a jaybird. That's that's what they do, isn't it? I think they wear lettuce so. leaves strategically. Oh. Well, be sure to put one on your head so you don't get sunburned. Uh, I'll have a beaver pelt on my head. Thank you very much. And secondly, you know what? It just dawned on me. Instead of me driving to North Spring Valley, Nevada, you could just come to Salt Lake City, take pictures of, and record this event and get to see Libby, Andrew, and myself. Oh, we'd probably be able to handle that except for that, what you call it? Record it? Now that is probably, <laughs> you know, horseshoe tails. I don't get much further ahead than that. Yeah. So, so, so this is a perfect week for you and I to get together and talk because nobody talks more about the challenges in labor than Hank Vogler. And I got to tell you, the, the Gallup poll, I, I talked about this on Across the Pond this morning, and it just hits me pretty hard. The Gallup poll over the weekend, the survey concluded that the uh, approval rating of unions in the United States is currently at 65%. It's the highest it's been since 1950 when it was at 75%. The low was at, in 2009 at 49%. Now, keep in mind, 84% of the United States population does not belong to a union. Now, that's not to workers. 85% of the total population does not belong to a union. They survey all unions... And they determined, excuse me, they did not survey unions. They surveyed people about unions. And they determined that unemployment has decreased so much in the past two years. And it has altered the balance of power between employees and employers. That it has created a, an, an environment for union growth and union accomplishments. Aren't you glad you know all of that? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> you know, I have to, I, I, this is probably an annual event, so anybody that's heard this spiel before, just uh, turn your radio off for a couple minutes and, I'll, and we'll be done. But I just remember when I wasn't there, I didn't work for the lumber mill. Uh, they were having union strife back when I was getting started in the sheep business. This goes back to the 70s. And uh, my <clears throat> ex-relative, who's now deceased, uh, went to the meeting. The company said, hey, you guys, 
things are not working right, this is this, this is that, whatever their stick was, this is what they said they would do, which included some pay raises, some benefit raises, and all those kind of things. And a friend of mine was there, and he said, you couldn't believe it. Guy gets up and says, you can't shut this mill down. The union won't let you. Mm-hmm. The guy folded his briefcase and left. They shut the mill down. So then all these vast gentlemen came out and gave me my doctoral in herding sheep. And they, every once a month or whatever it was, they would all load up and go to town to the union meeting. And I would ask them, well, why are you still having union meetings? Well, we got a lot of business to do. Mostly to make more benefits and with their union dues that they were still paying every month. We've got to make things better for our union bosses, our shop stewards, all this yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, but you guys aren't even working there anymore. And they closed the mill. You have to stick with union. You know, stick with union. You'll be on cleanup all the time. Cleanup. You never get anywhere. All the time, cleanup. That was what they were telling them. And all the other people that the union was protecting, it was, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I didn't have their employment records. But I knew every one of those vast gentlemen worked their buttocks off to make that money. Anytime they needed to work on Saturday, da, 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 they were there. And I said, okay, so what do you do now? I've been there 22 years. I on cleanup. You know, and it was just like, they all kind of looked at each other. Evidently, they'd never had that conversation. Every one of them were still doing the same job that they had from day one. Mm-hmm. Still on the bottom of the rung. But they were convinced that they had to stick with that union. But yet, what when the mill reopened under under another name, Snow Mountain Pine, they had the employment records. And to clean out the dead weight, they put those guys in the rottenest jobs they could until the guys quit. But every one of those gentlemen went back to work and they got promoted and they worked till that mill shut down because of the spotted owl, which there were none in Eastern Oregon, it just seemed, you know, we got to shut the whole world down for the spotted owl. But anyhow, yeah, I could not see that. And and the union, to me, because now the biggest union in the United States is federal employees. Yeah. I mean, and that's the union. Well, give me a break here. This is not right. I had to testify against a gentleman that had a... a, a, a ton of stuff against him the union backed him up it had to be an embarrassment to back this fella up he got reinstated got all of his money back they didn't fire him i mean it, i you know i think the unions have been taken over by the wrong people yes they may have stopped the sweatshops yes they may have made better things for workers but once the money rolled in once the power and influence rolled in the hierarchy, you know, the scum always rises to the top of the swamp. Okay, there it is, boys and girls. Uh, I still on cleanup. Twenty-two <laughs> years, I still on cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree with every bit of that, and 
you could take it a step further because now the union is preventing uh, trains from doing their job. You know, it was widely known that the first deaf shortage was because the trains would not haul deaf, diesel exhaust fluid. And now we have coal plants all over the United States, which are desperately short on coal at this time of year. They need to go into the winter. That's all because of the trains and the unions. It's the union within the train system. I sat in an airport coming out of Baltimore over the weekend, uh, Sunday evening, Hank, next to a guy who's been at the railroad for 37 years. He said, this thing is so upside down. He said, I, I'm just at the end of next year. I got my 30 years that I need for whatever his pension deal is. I'm out of here. But what they've done is that they have the, the, the people who are 22 years still on cleanup continue to be the grunts. And they bring in these college kids that are 20 years old and design. <laughs> he said it so perfectly. He said, Trent. They think they can run a railroad off of a pie chart. You can't run a railroad off of a pie chart. You got to get out in the engine and make it go. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, therein lies the problem. But that is the whole problem in the country. But how, how do you come up and say, due to the low unemployment in the past two years, the unions have really fallen in good graces? Who can get it? You can't even get anybody to do anything for the last two years. The unemployment rate has never been higher. They factor unemployment on people looking for a job. Nobody's looking for a job. Well, of course not. Look at all the benefits he could get. I think it's, uh, and, I, and whether he was wrong in his opinion, but he said the other day, this guy that, that's an economist, said that if you take... Every benefit that the government provides for you, it's up to seventy-five thousand dollars. I, I, I can't, oh, I can't fathom goodness. that. I can't. I believe my it. I actually believe it. But, I got to take a but break. I told, We're all out. Seventy-five thousand. Remember that figure. We get back with more after this. Right off the bat today, I'm going to remind you about Dr. Nathan Bryan and the health aspect of nitric oxide. No2u.com is the place you go to get more information about the science. You can also order the product from there. There's some beetroot product. It's all beetroot product, actually. Nitric oxide beets are most commonly found in beets, or excuse me, nitrates are most commonly found in beets. So it's about having the right soil and growing conditions and the right lightning. If you'd like to place an order, put Trent as a coupon code. You get a 10% discount, plus you pay no shipping. It's all about who you know in today's world, and because you know Trent, you get a deal. No to you. NO2U.com, Trent, coupon code. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. He's keeping track of the union benefits of working for the federal government, which, you know, that's what we're all supposed to do, just be little peons, peasants for the federal government. I have no doubt the average benefit is $75,000 to a federal employee. Well, no, it's not federal. That's just anybody. That's on the, on the welfare. If you sign, evidently, if you sign up for everything that's out there, mm -hmm. which I mean, you yeah, unless you sign up in the hospital, you don't get that benefit. But it's available to you. You get all of these other food. You get housing subsidy. You get all of these things going. Why not go fishing if you're still on cleanup? Or, you know, if, you know, your skills are limited. They don't. That's no, the no, 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 no. Time out. Why do time out? 
These people who are too lazy to go work, Hank, they're too lazy to go fishing, too. They're not fishing. They're watching it on TV. On the, on the, on the, <laughs> Why go fishing day. when you can watch it on TV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. It's human nature. You know, when, you know, Adam and Eve's grandparents, Bill and Betty, they met at a Grange Hall dance, and the world changed right then and there. And, and before that, they killed a woolly mammoth. First thing they did is try and preserve as much of it as they could, but they had a celebration. Nobody went to work for a while. They didn't have to. Their needs were taken care of. And then I know I'm being facetious, and I know that, that but that has to factor into the equation you cannot consume a woolly mammoth in an afternoon you got to invite the neighbors over you got to do a lot of things to preserve that or the folks along the columbia river that used to protect the falls that the fish went through they sold fish to everybody people were jealous of that native americans you know i mean there were there was there was no when christopher columbus landed well he never did get to america but when they started rediscovering America, uh, they what did they find? They didn't find one giant tribe all holding hands and singing Kumbaya. There was dozens, thousands, I mean, every little group. Why? Human nature. I mean, that's just the way it has always been. And they are capitalizing on that factor. Yeah, people quit looking for jobs. Why are 80% of the people working in agriculture Hispanic? What are all these millions of people going to do when they get up here? They don't have any skills. Did you see you see those people getting off the bus? Do you see anybody that looks like he ought to be a CEO of Apple Computer or something like that? Or General Motors? No. They're going to take all the low-level jobs while all the Americans who are unskilled will be able to stay home. This is the same thing they did in Rome. And guess what happened to Rome? It, it didn't, it fare didn't so work. Well. It never worked anywhere it's tried. Yeah, that's, I, I contemplate that a lot, that th there's nothing new about the cycle we're in <clears throat> where the people in power think they want to keep the power. Yeah, I mean, you even look at your favorite, Mousy Tongue. I mean, he killed 100 million people, right? And he maintained power for a while. But how'd that work out for him? He still died. Not very well. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It always ends up the same blood. And she is trying to put the genie back in the bottle. Now they're having another outbreak of COVID. My wife's family has never had to isolate before. Now they're in isolation. They can only go outside for two hours a day to go shopping. Uh, they had an earthquake, 6.8. Uh, and, of course, they're all in isolation. So it's nothing like being in a huge building uh, when it starts swaying. <laughs> I mean, it's just all of these things. They, they can't change it. You know, the best one of all, remember this. Sam Brown, 1823, he invented the internal combustion engine. Right now, 
where my wife is from, they have a drought that goes back 600 years. There were no internal combustion engines 600 years ago. Spotted Al Gore was born in 1948, the year before me. There were 130,000 glaciers today with all the hype, with all the crap, with all the yada, 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 there's still 130,000 glaciers. So, boy, it'll <laughs> wake up America. <laughs> it, it's the biggest fraud to take control of lives that we've seen in recorded history. It's not just happening in one country. This is a global movement at one time. They told us it was coming. We saw ads, little snippets of Justin Trudeau and leaders around the world. I, I, I fail. I should not call them leaders. Dictators from around the world who were talking about the Great Reset. The Great Reset. Well, the Great Reset is that you and I work for the crown. That's the Great Reset. And you and I being all the peasants work for these people who think they're going to control your lives. And that's the whole facade that's being rolled out in front of us now. And Hank, I did not know this until I researched the history of the Labor Day. It was started by the communists. The communists in cooperation with the unions. And we just celebrated a day that really has an Illuminati, a whole evil component to it. And who's asking the questions of what are we really doing here? Because it doesn't take too large of a cerebral area to figure out that if you can get in a position to hand out favors, it's more lucrative than people that have to work for it. And maybe all these people coming in, they're escaping socialism. They think that there's going to be something different here. Maybe it will be. Maybe they will be the ones that join a party, throw out all the bums, and and make a party of the people. Once again, that's what we were. What do you think then? Declaration of Independence, read all of that stuff. It was all about individual rights. They had already been suppressed by the people that had the crown seal, whether they were armed services or what. They worked for the British crown. They were better than you. And the American people had a taste of freedom. And they said, no way, that you're not better than me. We're all equal under this deal. And that's what started it all. And we're going to give that up. We're going to give that up to hand out favors. Why do you think the left hates athletics? Why do they hate the kids that get straight A's because they work hard? My granddaughter, that was her goal all through high school, was to get straight A's. Nobody set her down and said, if you don't get straight A's, we'll paddle your behind or something. That was a goal she had. But now every kid gets a participation certificate. And they drag down the fast-learning kids and exalt the kids that learn slower. Well, I'm sorry. Not everybody learns at the same level or the same speed. And when you do that, when you are capable of shaming a kid because he's accelerating and and doing excellent work and exonerating a kid that, well, why should I have to work? Heck, they're going to give me a participation certificate. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a diploma, same as her. Why should I put out? Well, that's exactly the same thing when it comes to work ethic. If you have a work ethic, you get out and work. 
you will be so much a happier life. Yeah, you may not be a gozillionaire, but at least you'll have a little pride. You don't have to stand in line waiting for the handout. And it's going to get to the point if we continue down this path to where they're going to be handing you bread. They're going to be handing you meat. Probably not meat. Oh, no, we got to get rid of livestock. Crickets. Them boys that live out in the brush, they have to think for themselves. Yeah, crickets will be handing you cricket meal. Uh, none of this would make sense to me if I had not spent five years. I can't say how much I needed to be on the Rosebud Indian Reservation for five years because everything I saw in terms of tribal control of the population is coming to fruition. And the guy in the gas station who told me one day when I started doing radio, he, no, he didn't tell me, he asked me, he said, Luce, I hear you talking about the farmers. Where do you think they'll put the farmer reservations? In 2000, I thought that was funny. I no longer find it humorous. Second half of Roll Hop ahead. Once again, I want to remind you about the consistent supply of tender beef. It's called Certified Piedmontese. More details about how you as a Great Plains cattleman can be a part of the supply chain, you go to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Plenty of people there will get you information. I'm just telling you straight up, fellow cattlemen, the commodity prices of yesteryear will not suffice for tomorrow and as we move forward. So you need to find a way to get in tune with where you can capture more, and I'm talking about the tunes of $180 over market price. Full details about that can be found on the web, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It is the certified Piedmontese system, and it's this simple. You take the Piedmontese sires, use them on your cows, wean the calves, keep them six weeks, get them ready, preconditioned, and send them down the road for a coupon of $180 over market price. LoneCreekCattleCo.com, certified Piedmontese. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler. This is going to set you off, but I'm going to do some research. I was at the Maryland State Fair over the weekend. Had a fantastic time. It was wonderful. Uh, had the opportunity to mingle with uh, some friends that have been out there for quite some time. I judged the pig show, which means you get the chance to work with kids, which is phenomenal. But Saturday, I didn't have anything to do until the evening, and so I went to the horse race. They have horse racing right at Maryland State Fair. And I watched the first couple of races, and then I went to where the people were, which was the Raw Bar. Fantastic restaurant. Food was incredible. Atmosphere was wonderful. And I ended up sitting next to this gentleman from Baltimore who has been working for the Social Security Division for 37 years. And we had obviously... From a political standpoint, Hank, Alan and I, Mr. Allen and I, are not on the same page. But we had the most fantastic discussion for better part of two hours, probably. And I finally asked him the question. I said, okay, so you have been through many presidents in your time working for the federal government and Social Security. And you know what I liked most about him? As much as I despise the federal government and the overreach of power, he was proud that he worked for the federal government. And so I applaud him for that. Because I don't care who you work for, you should have pride in what you do. I asked him, I said, who do you think the best president was? Because you had a first, first front row seat to every one of them. 
for the last 40 years. Who do you think he said? Let me, uh, let me just also, no, 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 before you answer that, let me just also preface it by saying, yes, this was a black gentleman from Baltimore who's been working for the federal government for nearly 40 years. So who do you think he said? Ronald Reagan. Donald Trump. Those were at the two bottom of the list. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> okay, so I talked about Reagan because I, I, I had to know what he thought about Reagan. He said Reagan was probably the best speaker I've ever seen. And he always talked about this trickle down thing, but nothing ever trickled down. <laughs> And Donald Trump was like a no-go. I mean, we weren't even going to talk about him. And I fully expected him to say Barack Obama. He said Jimmy Carter. You know why he said Jimmy wow. Carter? Why? He said, I can tell you one thing, Trent. That is the most honest man and had the best intentions of any man that's ever been in that office. And I got to thinking, I don't doubt that to be true. I believe that to be true. And with all the misinformation that we get in today's world, I wonder how much of what we've been told about Jimmy Carter was fabricated because he didn't comply with what was really going on. Because we we talk about the food embargo. We talk about the department. How many times have you talked about the Department of Education and creating a cabinet position? Although... It was Franklin Delano Roosevelt who created the Department of Education. It was Jimmy Carter, 1979, that gave that department a, a cabinet position. But I'm going to go back and look. I'm I'm not saying that I'm, I'm I'm becoming a leftist. What I'm saying is, I want to go back and get the facts instead of just relying on what people tell me. I need to be thinking about these individuals. I have no doubt. Do you that he was the most honest man that was president in that 40 year period? Well. Tell you the truth, I thought he was uh, had some roots in agriculture, and uh, I could not bring myself to vote for Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. And it was practically one of the first elections I'm old enough to vote in, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Richard Nixon, and I, I, Nixon didn't do anything terribly bad. He was just the president. Uh, he was a, he kept trying and trying and trying, and he finally became president. If I jaywalk, if I drive too fast, if I rob a bank, if I do anything that is proven to be illegal, I am punished for it. He was not punished for it. And I was raised that you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Mm -hmm. And that always bothered me. So I would not vote for Gerald Ford because Gerald Ford pardoned him on top of everything else, which probably uh, a more mature way probably was the best thing to do just because it could have caused a tremendous turmoil in this country. But you have, you have said everything about this guy that you sat and talked with that I've been screaming about for years. It's not who's the president. There's no one human being who can stay on top of everything. So you rely on other bureaucrats. You might be the most dirty conservative that gets into that Congress. I mean, you're, you're going to whip the world. And, you get to Washington, D.C., you get the Potomac fever, you sit down, and all 82 people that are working in your office have been there for 30 years. And they've got their own agenda, and they promote what they want to do. They promote the system, and the system is not 
going to let the peasants have a better shot. <laughs> That's not the way it works. It's to get more control. Make my little position a way, 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 way more important situation. End of story. And that's what's going on. It should be, we should have a lottery. 535 tickets in the lottery. Okay, Luce, you're the senator from Nebraska for four years, six years, whatever. Okay, Jones, you're the congressman from Nebraska, whatever. But the, should you want term limits? Put term limits on the people that are working in Washington, D.C. for that government in those government offices. They're the one. Look what's doing. What are they doing with the FBI? Trump. Well, yeah. He's upsetting the whole deal. He was asking two questions. Well, you, do <laughs> you need to a, give control back to the president? Do you need a better example of what to do than Fauci? His salary last year is 435000 He announces he's going to go take another job. So his pension for a lifetime, because he worked for the federal government, is going to be 360000 a year for the rest of his life? Come on. And plus, he'll have, the, he'll have the insurance. He'll have all the bennies that go with it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the criminal immunity that place. he should be locked up and, and seen justice. For what he has brought upon the American people. Yeah. Welcome to the party, comrade. That's the way it works. And if you're working for this congressman, whoever it is, you want to make sure when you retire that you get the same hook. Maybe not $400,000, but you're going to get as much as possible. And a lot of them have a clock on the corner of their desk that says how many years, days, weeks, hours, minutes, and seconds until they get their first check retired. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's human behavior. That's what we have to watch out for, and that's what we have said. You know, I let the, you know, the government ought to pass a law. Well, they did. But the people that administer those laws are the ones that, after a little while, they go, well, the money is in the problem. Solutions are not. You and I both know what to do with the wild horses. There are a lot of people that work in that department, in the Bureau of Land Management, that know what to do. And the range is being destroyed, absolutely destroyed by these horses. They're not moved. I have to move my livestock in a prescribed manner to protect the range so the horses can destroy it. Well, why is that? When you know the solution, when you know the answer, and you're not even going to look for it, and and you probably send money to all the environmental, not environmental groups, but horse advocates to make sure it never gets cured. Your power, your everything you've got is based on the problem, the solution. Somebody might say, well, we're looking for a postmaster in Nome, Alaska, and your name came up, Mr. Luce. Pack your bag. Because they can bump around to other jobs in the federal government. There's where your term limits ought to be. Because we, every two years, every four years, we can clean house if need be. But the people that are back there have been there for their entire life. And they get institutionalized. Well, i got to give credit to Sonny Purdue. 
because as a secretary of agriculture, I think he did more to try to clean house of the bureaucrats than anybody that was ever in that position in my awareness. And he, I mean, he caused it a revolt. He caused a revolt of people saying, you can't come in here and clean house like that. Why not? That's what needs to happen. Yeah. And we have far too many people. I mean, it, it all comes back to federal power. And the federal power continues to come. You've already walked through this, but I'm going to use an example. Friends of mine are taking money out of the info, uh, what do we call this, Inflationary Reduction Act, and $369 million going into conservation, just another earmark for conservation. And we don't know what conservation is, but friends of mine that are taking the money because Soil and Water District is out there saying, hey, you should build this because we got money to do that. That's all about the growth in the federal government and federal power. And you know what my friends say? Hank, you've heard it your whole life. Well, I might as well take that dollar because somebody else is going to. Well, until we start saying no, I'm not going to take that. And that spills over and other people start picking up. Federal Federal power is going to continue to expand. Okay, and you don't think that these folks haven't thought this thing over. Look at all the food that the federal government buys to either put into storage, to send to nursing homes, to send to people. Do you realize how much that would affect agricultural commodities tomorrow? I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing. It, that You get everybody on board pretty quick, uh, whether you buy in drought insurance or whatever you do. When, when it saves your bacon that one time, you know, and it's just like buying car insurance. You have to have it. And you don't need it until you get in a wreck. And then you're, thank God you do, you know, but when you pay $40,000 a year in insurance, yeah. and you go, wow, that seems to be until you need it. See, notice well, that Hank Vogler uses you know, a pork <laughs> term to make his point. Saves your bacon. We'll be back with more Bacon 101 after this. You know, every day on this broadcast, we talk about the challenges in food production and complain that nobody is paying attention outside of our community. Well, Epic Times has done so. They put together, Michael Wang, excuse me, Wing has done a fantastic job putting together a piece about the challenge in food production, how 30 by 30, Bill Gates, World Economic Forum are all working against feeding the world. It's easy to feed the world. A lot of the farmers and ranchers, the people closest to the land that deal with Mother Nature and all that Mother Nature has to offer, and they'll figure out, I should say we, we will figure out a way to make it happen. These outside forces are trying to create starvation. The Epic Times nailed it. Read the article, please. Welcome back. Trent Loose alongside Hank Bugler, still talking during the break. Are you hot, Hank? <laughs> I've been here this uh, as of September 4th, 1985. I'm in my 38th year here, and I don't ever remember. We've had snow by now lots of times. We, I mean, things happen here. It's, we're at 6,500 feet. It's 100 degrees here every day in, in air temperature. I mean, it's just unbelievable what's going on. And it, too, will pass. 
1,200-year uh, drought, they're saying. Well, I wasn't here 1,200 years ago. Neither was the internal combustion engine. So, again, you know, we spent a lot of the last three segments talking pretty pessimistic. Now, let's throw some optimism on the All right, bring it on. the last section. Let's do it. All right. When you finally make the people mad enough, whether you're the British whether you're the Romans, the Greeks, or whatever, you have change. If you stay asleep, change doesn't come the way you want it. But the optimism I'm looking at is they made all the moms mad about the people that are in education should be telling your kids what to do, and then you find out oh, what you're teaching your kids isn't exactly reading, writing, and arithmetic. So they're making the farmers mad all over the world by saying you can't use fertilizer well guess what's coming winter yeah it's going to get cold even here in north spring valley one of these days real cold i've got several generators when the electricity if and when it does go out but if they tear out the dams and most of the dams on the i think it's the klamath river that runs into california yes there's some old old uh, recre not recreation, but where, uh, where they use them for irrigation. But I'm not sure that they're not all hydroelectric plants. They're already yeah. saying because there, of the heat wave. There's if four. You have an electric car in California. You should you should shut it off. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, don't don't be charging this crisis of, of of the heat wave. Well, when the electricity goes out. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, conservative or liberal. It wakes you up. And it's all these absolute looney tune ideas that if man does it, it's wrong. If Mother Nature does it, it's right. Uh, my daughter lives right next to the Rum Creek Fire in southern Oregon. And it's cooking. I mean, it is cooking. Uh, and and it's, she's got the bags packed. It's within a few miles of her house. Well, those are the things. Those are the wake-up calls. But if you live outside of the Rum Creek area, maybe you don't feel like you're affected. But when the power goes out and the toilet flush, I mean, all of these things hits everybody from every level. And that's when you're going to get some change and we have gone so far to this extremism, so far to this lunacy, so far off of the map with spotted Al Gore and all of these pipe dream ideas, the, the, the electric cars, all of these things. When that happens, enough people get upset. I believe there will be a shift, a swing. I really and truly hope that that's what's going to happen because the alternative to that sucks badly okay that's my did i mention i have 22 point. horses that i'm polishing up <laughs> yeah the horsepower is going to be very important mm -hmm. yeah uh two that's which, the thing that two which are these people threw in the equation yeah nobody threw that into the equation that when you take dams when you do that on all these rivers that uh, you know that was done with engineering feats unbelievable 
when you quit logging along the Colorado, you cause all of these half man-made things. Mother Nature, yeah, she has a drought every once in a while. She has wet weather. They're flooding in Georgia, I think, in North Carolina. All of these things come and go. And when you add fuel to the fire, as long as it affects and gores somebody else's ox, it's not that big a deal. Right. Until yours. But boy, it's gored. Woohoo. <laughs> Did you know that's the name of a fish? Ox? Wahoo. Woohoo. <laughs> you can say it like that if you want to. <laughs> I was in a restaurant in, in uh, Timonium, where the Maryland State Fair is. Fantastic restaurant. Papa's. If you're ever in Timonium, go to Papa's. And Justin Winkle is the CCO. Do you know what a CCO is? Uh, Chief Cook. You're close. You're cur- very close. Chief Crab Cake Officer. And oh, okay. <laughs> so they had... I mean, you're, I'm in Maryland. Okay. So if you're in Maryland, you, you gotta somewhat eat like you're in Maryland. You can't eat like you're in Nebraska or even Nevada if you're in Maryland. So it's crab. I mean, you have crab every meal. This is the way it is. And they had a halibut crab combination on their featured specials. I thought, well, yeah, that sounds different. That sounds good. I, I like fish. I don't eat fish very regularly. So they didn't have any fish. They didn't have any halibut. I don't know. There must be supply chain issues somewhere. But anyway, he comes back and he says, uh, I'm sorry, sir, we, we are out of halibut, but we are featuring the Wahoo. I said, the what? Like Wahoo, Nebraska? No, the fish. Wahoo. It's similar to halibut. It's a, it's a, a more dense fish. It's a white fish and blah, blah, blah. So I tried it, but I had no idea there was a Wahoo fish. Well, how is it that we've uh, talked about fishing I, more on this uh, show than we've talked about in like 20 years? Well, it's pretty dry out here. Not, <laughs> you know, other than I guess if you catch one out of Lake Mead or out of Lake Tahoe, is about the only place you. I think the fish are kind of all packing canteens and walking across the desert, <laughs> having trouble. <laughs> but I the other day they had a rodeo on in Walla Walla, Washington. And there's a bunch of kids from Eastern Oregon went up there to ride. And I mean, a slug of them. A, a half the town of Juntura, Oregon must have been up there riding bucking horses. And so I wanted to watch it. So I sat down and my family grew up in Canal and then moved into Butter Creek out of Hermister and Pendleton. I was born in Pendleton. Walla Walla is just across the street. So I just assumed Walla Walla had to be Native American for something, I assume, because the Snake River and the Columbia and all of them kind of run together right in there, mm-hmm. that it probably, and that's pretty close to the Cold Harbor Dam that they want to take out. And so I looked it up on the Wikipedia or whatever, Google or whatever, one of those deals. Well, it means many waters in Native American tongue, Indian. <laughs> but it also the aboriginals in Australia say Walla Walla for many rocks. So we can only articulate so many sounds and twist our mouths and our tongue and our lips in so many positions that language all over the world has some commonality, even though they may not always 
be for the, the same word for the same use. But, you know, we say baby. In China, they say bao bao. It's close. So, uh, again, we are all the same all over the world. It is man who makes us different. It's man by actually being prejudiced. Whether you're Chinese and you're prejudiced against the people in Taiwan who fled to Taiwan from mainland China, or if you're the people that came to America to try a new world and try a new life and had the incentive by their own hard work getting somewhere, all of these things were based on somebody being prejudiced against some group or another, whether it was religious freedom or whatever it was. you got to think about these things because we as humans have to decide, do we want to have freedom or do we want to have somebody else telling us when to do it and how big a pile you make? But the decision is being made every day by people, and it's, it's it should not be surprising how many people choose comfort over freedom because a founding fathers told us. Yeah, and it's going to – and again, my optimism says you shut off the electricity – and see how many of these now me uh, I, I would like it I, I enjoy my electricity I enjoy the uh, being able to see what the price of things are I, I enjoy being able to communicate with my daughter and 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 uh, on her way out let me know you know when she's coming and if I can get I mean there's a, a jillion conveniences that save me thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in fuel and lots of things so i'm off so work. but when the light goes out because you can't do it no more <laughs> oopsie all right now i've got a crash course for fishing <clears throat> that you never knew you were going to get but the wahoo is one of the fastest growing fish it typically is in the subtropic regions there's atlantic wahoo that grows up to eight feet long Weighs as much as 160 pounds. They're commonly about three and a half to five and a half feet long. They have a short lifespan, five to six years. They're able to reproduce at one year of age. And how many eggs do you think one female lays in a year, releases? I shouldn't say lays. It's not a chicken. What? One million two hundred twenty. One million two hundred twenty-three thousand seven hundred and twelve. <laughs> Half a million. <laughs> well, you can miss a chicken by five pounds, you know. <laughs> Between a half a million and forty-five million a year, and they call the Wahoo, which is why don't we hear more about this? They call the Wahoo the possibly most sustainable fish and can handle predation and fishing because it's so highly reproductive. How come we don't know more about this fish? What about shrimp? They're the same thing. They they seem to be in abundance. What about oysters? What about all of these animals? We only concentrate on some willow flycatcher that never existed in a lot of areas because there was nothing there for them. You know, until we let the brush grow up along the creeks. And now the now the fish that are in those creeks are packing chainsaws so they can spawn. 
because we've brushed up the creeks where Mother Nature used to burn her down every once in a while. That'll I mean, do yeah. it. you got to invite uh, the neighbors over to consume the yak. That's Hank Vogler's words of wisdom today, but we're out of time. We've journeyed down the road, connecting rural and urban America for Hank Vogler, Trent Loose. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. Two things are this week. The Cowgirls for a Cure Beard Arena and... I'm going to Salt Lake City to debate the vegan activists. 